0: This week, Father Paul highlights the connection between Genesis chapter 6 and the story of Moses in Exodus. As always, this connection is impossible to discern in English, but this time there's a twist. The English word ark in Genesis chapter 6 sounds deceptively like the word ark in Exodus chapter 25. In fact, they are totally unrelated, and as you'll soon discover, the real connection to Exodus in the original Hebrew is far more interesting. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Terazi Tuesdays.
1: Noah is the one who is perfect in the eyes of God, both on the cultic level and on the legal level. And this was expressed, that is what is important, in that he was walking with God according to God's will and thus as a shepherd. That is in preparation for what happens to him after the flood when suddenly he becomes sedentary when he plants the vineyard. But we'll get back to that. So here again, Noah began fine and we were all fine, but then he introduced the curse when he drank too much wine and we'll get back to that story. Another thing before I move ahead is that this description of Noah looks ahead to Genesis 17 where we have the mention of Abram and the covenant of circumcision. So here again, We have Noah, followed by the covenant, and then later we're going to have Abram and the covenant. But let's hear what we have in Genesis 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Fantastic. So we have the blameless and the walking in Noah, then followed by Abram. OK, just very interesting. However, there is a tiny difference here. In the case of Noah, he was walking with God, whereas with Abram, he was asked. It's an imperative "Hit ha-lek, before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And again, the covenant of circumcision is a covenant of inclusion of everybody. Okay, just an aside to show you how scripture works. And thus, the best way would be to know it by heart, the way the Muslims know their Quran by heart. And then you start moving from one text to another. Otherwise, you are at the mercy of the ego-filled philosophers and theologians. They tell you, and you like this one, and you do not like that one, and so on. But you have to listen to Scripture. Now, let's push for 610, where suddenly this Noah does not have one son, then later many sons and daughters, but we have three sons Together, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That is extremely important. No mention of other sons, no mention of daughters. Just these three. Later, one will understand the importance of that because from these three come all the nations of the world. Okay? So he fathers everybody through three and then later we shall see We'll have the concentration on Shem in chapter eleven. So very important. We have he had three tons. In Hebrew, he gave birth through his wife to three sons. It's the famous holid. We don't need to repeat that. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. Now the corrupt in the original Hebrew is from Erud, shahat, which is going to be used later to refer to God destroying everything on earth. Okay, shahat, let's make things simple because I really need to go through the entire text. It's a unity, it's a oneness. Okay, very important, the corrupt from Erud, shahat. But what is also important, and its importance is clear in that it is repeated in verse 13, the earth is filled with violence through them by the human beings. And then we will have, I will destroy them in the earth, which is the hif'il of shahat. Okay? So if we hear 11 and 13, it's very important to see the connection. Now Hamas, it's repeated twice, is that word that means violence and which we encounter in the prophets, especially Amos and Ezekiel. And the violence is an action of a more powerful against a weaker or a poor or a lesser one. So it's a technical term, Hamas. And that's not good. The earth was filled with violence. Going back to corrupt, you hear it several times. In 11, the earth was corrupt in God's sight. And then 12, God sees that and sees, behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And then we have verse 13 where god decides to bring an end which is qets which is a very important term used an entire chapter in ezekiel chapter 7 now those who know semitic especially arabic qassa means to cut as with a scissors or a pruning instrument. In Arabic, when you have a haircut, we use the same word. What is interesting about it is that you don't know what the result is. Remember that saying of Jesus. There is a tree. If it produces fruits, you have to cut the fruits off the tree so that you can eat them. But if the tree is bad, then it's the entire tree that is cut let me make a joke so there is a big difference between you going to your barber to have a haircut and not a head cut <laughs> so that is the play in the and trust me that is the play in the original qetz. and that is why in the bible the harvest is very important it's not always good Remember, sometimes the people who work in wine have a bad harvest. <laughs> Things are the way they are. So it's a play where the end depends on how each one of us will have behaved until then. So it's not automatic and magical. I'm saved, I'm not saved, and so on. I mean, it's uh, empty words. Okay? Okay. And the one who controls the end is God systematically in Scripture. Only he. And I would recommend my hearers read Ezekiel chapter 7. Okay? So, I covered all the play on words from Hamas to Shahat and so on and so forth. Now, to prepare the way for the salvation of a specimen of humankind and of animalic kingdom, that's enough. And the specimen is precisely to have a male and a female. And this is going to be saved through, unfortunately in the RSV, we have Ark, which is very bad because anyone hearing the english will connect this ark with the ark of the covenant but the trouble is that the original for the ark of the covenant is Aaron, whereas this ark here is teba which is the same word that is used to speak of the basket in which Moses was found, and again, amid the waters. So, in the original, the connection is very clear that Noah is preparing for the story of the salvation of everybody, in that specific sense, Israel, And then we shall see at the end of 14, the mention of reeds, which is the sea of reeds and so on. Okay, that's where we have in Exodus 2, 3. Let me read you both. And God said to me, I have determined to make an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled. And then... You have to make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. The rooms is a very questionable and you have to read my book to see the connection again between this and Exodus. But let me go to Exodus. She took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds at the river's brink. So, without going in detail now, but it's important for my hearers to see how really Noah is important as a bridge, a straddle, to understand the entire biblical story. And then God gives instructions as to how Noah is Going to build the ark. And what is important, I'm going to jump at the end because that is a feature of the story of the flood. In verse 22, we have Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. And this is repeated through the following chapters three times. To the ear, it sounds thus that Noah did not do anything, although here and there we hear that Noah built and so on. But three times, the first time being the first description of Noah's work is that he did not do anything. He just did what God commanded him to do. It is fantastic. It is as though, as we shall see later, in Isaiah, that it is the word of God, his words, we're not talking about eternal word and Jesus Christ, no, let's stick to the Bible, it is his words that produce the result because his words are the seed, remember I keep telling everybody, the fruits, the trees and the fruits do not come out of the earth. They come from the seed that is planted. Only the first time in Genesis 1, earth produced trees under God's command. But later, it is always the seed, very important. And we have this in Paul's comments in 1 Corinthians 3. Who am I? I planted. And who is Apollos? He watered. But it is God that gives the growth. So very interesting that we have this already in the story of Noah, that God is speaking. Notice, he's not doing. God speaks. He doesn't do much. Okay. He speaks. And Noah did what God spoke. This is how it sounds to the ear today. Right from the beginning. So. The hearer is forewarned. This is what's happening. And that becomes important because it is God who asks Noah to build. 16, he gives the reason in 17. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy. Again, we have shahat. Everything that has the breath of life. Okay but immediately a turn. But I will establish my covenant with you. Actually, in the original, we don't have but. We have and I will establish, I will bring about, I will raise in Hebrew, "hekim," which is the same verb that is used to speak about the raising of Christ. You know, here again, you know, the original is very important. He will establish, make it shown, uh, raising my covenant with you. Okay? And you shall come into the ark. Notice how this 18a, establish my covenant with you, interrupts the flow between 17 and the rest of 18. For behold, I will bring a flood, and then he says, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wife with you. But Right there at the beginning of 18, the hearer is already projected into the post-flood because God is not establishing his covenant now. Notice, it's in the future. He will establish, and we to hear about
0: it later. The Bible as Literature is a production
1: of the Ephesus School Network.